You are listening to the Not Your Average Autism Mom podcast, the number one podcast for moms just like you, raising an autistic child. How are moms like us who didn't plan for this unique parenting journey embracing life just as it is right now, instead of staying stuck in wishing, hoping, and dreaming it was different? That is the question, and this podcast, along with our Let's Talk Autism newsletter and our private sisterhood, will give you the answers. My name is Shannon Urquiola, and I have been traveling this journey for over two decades. I have been where you are. All right, stay with me, and let's get on to this week's episode. Episode 26, Sleep Struggles Are Common in Our World. You are not alone. Well, hey there, mamas. How is everyone today? I hope you guys are doing amazing. Um, We are talking about something today that I am sure most of you want to hear about. So sleep struggles are common in our world. It's nice to know that you are not alone. So sleep problems are such a common challenge with our children, whether it's falling asleep or staying asleep, statistics actually show that 80% of children with autism have sleep difficulties. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about things that you may or may not be doing that could be interrupting their sleep. And I'm going to give you some important things to consider and think about when it comes to sleep. First, I want to talk about how very important it is that you have a nighttime or a bedtime routine. This should involve activities that help them wind down in the evening and will be calming to prepare them for a good night's sleep. Since our children are usually very fond of routines, having a bedtime routine can be extremely helpful. You could also use a visual schedule that shows the bedtime routine, and that might include either visual pictures or a list that includes things like taking a bath or a shower, getting into their PJs, brushing their teeth, going potty, reading a book, and then saying goodnight. In my personal opinion, I think that this should be 30 to 45 minutes of time that they, if they're older, or you and him or her are doing all the bedtime things together if they're younger or if they just need more guidance and direction. Now, if you've been listening to me or following me for any amount of time, you know that what I'm about to talk about here is a very passionate topic to me, and that is electronics. So electronics in general Um, is just something that I'm very passionate about for our kids. But when we're talking about bedtime, it is so very important for them to avoid any stimulation before bed. This includes TV, tablets, iPads, smartphones. These devices interfere with the brain's natural release of melatonin. And look, our kiddos don't need any additional help with that. There have been studies that show that for children with autism, their melatonin release may be prone to dysfunction and light exposure from electronics before sleep can make that even worse. And by the way, while I'm talking about it, if you haven't listened to our podcast, episode number seven, I highly recommend that you do. 
It is our most downloaded episode. It is electronics and the benefits of setting screen time limits. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform, which you're probably listening to now. Um, But it's just a really great episode about electronics. And if you don't know how passionate I am, you definitely will after you listen to that. The next thing you want to do is you want to choose a bedtime and keep it as much as possible. Your child should have the same bedtime every night of the week. And you need to make that a time that works for your family's schedule and routine. And if you have to change it, I always suggest that you make notes on how that change impacted their night's sleep. Because listen, if you're working on sleep, then you should really be keeping a chart so that you really know because it will become hard to remember. And if you're trying to track how much sleep they're getting or how many times they're getting up during the night or how long it took them to fall asleep, it's really important to have some sort of chart to do that. So again, if you change their schedule and routine, make sure that you note that on whatever kind of chart you're keeping. Bedtime will become later as your child gets older, but I just always think to keep it to allow them sleep that they need based on how they have slept up until this point. So that's just going to depend on your individual child, how that um, sleep time or bedtime changes. Many children with autism do not seem to sleep as much as other children. So I definitely don't remember don't recommend that you expect the age or sleep chart for children will be applicable to your child with autism. So, and I'm talking the typical sleep chart that the doctors show you or that you can find online that'll tell you their age and how many hours they should sleep. The duration of normal sleep chart for typical children generally does not apply to our children. And honestly, every child is different in how much sleep their body requires. They also usually do not take as many naps in their younger years, and yet they can be wide awake without seeming fatigued all during the day. It is a mystery with no definite answers, and that is why many children with autism take supplements or prescription medications to help with their sleep patterns. It's also important to remember that putting a child to bed too early to get more sleep may actually make falling asleep harder for them because they're fighting it. Having a comfortable environment with cozy blankets, their favorite stuffed animals or toys, and away from any excess noise is preferred. Remember, their uh, senses are often heightened to noise, so excess noise at their bedtime may keep them awake. The other thing is, because our body temperatures drop during sleep, you might consider keeping their room slightly cooler, which may also help. Some parents find that weighted blankets also help for our sensory-seeking children. So there's no studies that show that weighted blankets will help them sleep better, but a lot of our sensory seekers really find um, comfort in those weighted blankets. If your child is struggling with sleep, definitely stop all caffeine intake. Even caffeine in the morning has been proven to inhibit nighttime sleep. This includes not only caffeinated beverages, but foods that have caffeine in them too, like chocolate. 
So keep an eye on their caffeine intake if they're struggling to sleep. Some medical conditions can also disrupt sleep. So, um, you know, a lot of our little guys and gals have GI issues. So that might include acid reflux or heartburn. And those things increase when they lay down. And what happens? They often can't tell us these things. So just keep that in mind. Also, allergies, um, eczema, sleep apnea restless leg syndrome, which can also affect their arms, or even a common cold with just nasal congestion. Any and all of these things can ultimately disrupt sleep patterns. Here's another common theme I hear a lot. My child will only fall asleep if I lay down with them. All right, mama, you created this pattern that has become a habit, and habits are difficult to break especially with our kids. All children learn what is in their environment when they transition to sleep. They often become dependent on that environment. And that means you, if you're falling asleep with them. So they become dependent on you being there when they fall asleep. They learn that the only way they can fall asleep is either in your bed or with you next to them in their bed right? It is a learned behavior. They have learned to fall asleep with your guidance. Now you have to reteach them to fall asleep alone. The key is to teach them to transition to sleep independently without any things that will not be present when they wake up. And yes, that means you. So when we talk about things that won't be present when they wake up, These are often referred to as what they call sleep associations. So the key to breaking this learned behavior is going to be leaving them in their room at their bedtime routine and only coming back in at intervals to help calm them down, reassure them that you're still there, they are okay, give them a hug, tell them good night. These are short visits until they learn that it is safe and they don't actually need you to fall asleep. Once they learn to fall asleep without you in the room, you may need to follow something similar if they're waking up in the middle of the night or if they're getting up too early in the morning. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more a little bit later. Remember, though, this can take a couple of days or even weeks of doing this each and every night. It really depends on your child, but it is so important that you are consistent. You might even find that if you've been laying down in the bed with them when they go to sleep, that you start by sitting on the bed and then you move to a chair until they feel comfortable enough to fall asleep without you there. Once they've successfully gone to sleep and woken up the next morning a few times, realizing that everything is okay, that is when it generally kicks in. And then they become comfortable going to sleep without you. The other reason this may be a concern is if they have anxiety, which of course is also very common in our children with autism. If your child has anxious behaviors during their bedtime routine, You have to work on calming them down during that time. That bedtime routine needs to be as calm and quiet as possible. Everyone is talking quietly. 
the lights are dimmed if possible, all to create that bedtime vibe. You can also talk to your child's therapist for suggestions that might work to help calm them down for bedtime routines. Some kids like light massage. If you are one of the lucky ones whose kids doesn't mind touch, I am unfortunately not one of those. Jordan doesn't like anyone or anything touching him most of the time and certainly not massaging him. But a lot of kids, that will relax them. Another problem with sleep associations is that when your child wakes up in the middle of the night, and just so you all know, all children and adults naturally wake up. That's just a normal part of sleep. But children who have sleep associations will wake up and look for their parent if they're used to falling asleep with you there. When we wake, when we wake up, we just instinctively check our environment. Sometimes these wake-ups are so brief that we don't even remember them in the morning. Now, if children have a TV in their room or they go to sleep with their iPad or their tablet, they will likely wake up and turn them on. Again, episode seven, because I highly discourage all electronics in their bedrooms based on not only my personal experience with Jordan, but also working with many families. It's just never a good idea. For children who do have these associations, they will more likely fall back asleep faster when waking up in the middle of the night. Decreasing your child's dependency on you or other items will generally lead to them getting more sleep at night. So here's the next challenge, how early they wake up. And this is often more of an issue if you are more of a night owl and not a morning person. If your child is awake and functions well throughout the day, they may simply have a decreased need for more sleep, regardless of what you do or what you try, even trying to encourage more sleep. My Jordan is very much like this. I always say that he made me a morning person. Although I will tell you, in his 20s, he finally began sleeping later. And by later, I mean like 7.30 instead of 4.30 or 5. In his younger years, he never slept more than four hours straight, ever. And then he was up for an hour to an hour and a half before going back to sleep. I only wished that I knew then what I found out later because he was an electronics kid and I know that that impacted his sleep for so many years. Insert mom blame here, but I've done a lot of thought work around my thoughts about that. And I just know that that is why I am here doing what I'm doing because I was destined to make your journey easier than mine was by sharing things like this that I learned along the way, that I learned too late. So if you and the rest of your family are not early risers, it's super important to determine if your son or daughter are safe to play independently in their room or not. Some children will do well with this if they have something like a clock or a light that comes on with a timer to let them know when they can come out of their room. For other children, that won't work. And you, mama, might have to change your sleep routine to meet theirs. I've shared before on this podcast, and I spent many nights sleeping on the floor with my pillow in front of Jordan's room to keep him safe. 
because he did not sleep well. Another thing that's really good is exercise during the day. That will also help your child sleep better at night. But make sure it's done earlier in the day and not in the evening because that stimulation can make it even harder to fall asleep. Now, let's talk naps. If your child is younger, keep their nap on a regular schedule and never, ever let them nap past 3 or 4 o'clock. It will be more difficult for them to fall asleep. If your child no longer takes regular naps, avoid any naps unless they're sick. Because listen, as we get older, sleep during the day makes it harder to sleep at night, autism or not. The key to changing any part of the sleep regimen is consistency and sometimes many, many attempts, especially in the first few nights or mornings. Be sure to also use positive reinforcement for the good nights and the good mornings. Celebrate it. Make it a big deal. That will hopefully lead to more of the same. Now, if you've done everything that you can possibly can in regards to getting the sleep routine dialed in and your child is still struggling, I encourage you to talk with your pediatrician as you might need to see a sleep specialist or discuss the options regarding supplements and possibly medications. It's not for everyone, but sometimes it's necessary. Don't forget, if you're listening to our podcast and you're finding value, first of all, be sure to subscribe. And second, take a minute to leave a review. That is how our podcast reaches more moms just like you raising a child with autism. And hey, if you're on social media, be sure to follow us and like us on both Facebook and Instagram at Not Your Average Autism Mom. All right, mamas, until next time, have a great couple of weeks. And remember, you are doing amazing at this mom thing. Hey, so if you are loving what you are learning on the podcast, you really should check out our private membership. Our Not Your Average Autism Mom community is where we dive deeper into all of the topics we discuss on the podcast and where you can get individual help and learn coaching tools that will make your life better every day when you learn to manage your mind. You will have access to all of our training and resources that you will need along your autism parenting journey. And you will develop relationships with other moms just like you, all raising a child with autism. It is my absolute favorite place to be. So head on over to the website at www.notyouraverageautismmom.com to get all the details. And please, if we're not open right now for new members, we only open a couple times a year. Be sure to join the wait list so that you'll be the first to know when we're going to open. I hope you do. I would love to work with you inside.